You're listening to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY Podcast on Apple Podcasts. We hope that this message encourages you in your walk to love and follow Jesus. Thank you for listening. Hey, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining in and watching with us uh, via Facebook Live. Uh, real quickly, before we jump into the message this morning, I want to tell you about what's coming up. Uh, next Sunday's Easter Sunday, and so that's a big day in the life of the church. It is the day. And so we want to celebrate that. And so we, again, would love for you to send in your videos of, of what Jesus has meant to you, how Jesus has changed your life. Just a short little clip, you know, 30 seconds or, or whatever can be done with your iPhone, a tablet. What we, we don't really care. We just want you to send that to us and we're going to compile that all together to make a video for that for, for part of our Easter worship. Two weeks from now. Uh, on April the 19th, we're going to begin a brand new series of messages from the book of Jonah called Running from Mercy. And so we'd love for you to, to be looking forward to that and, and maybe even go ahead and read up on the book of Jonah so you know what's coming. It's four chapters. It's not real long, but we're going to spend a few weeks talking about that. This morning, we're in part six of our series, Believe, uh, where we've been traveling along through the gospel of John with, with the writer, with the gospel writer, John, through his journey uh, with Jesus. And and John simply doesn't tell us what happens. He does do that, but it's not simply what happens. He tells us uh, that he has an agenda, that he wants us to arrive at the same conclusion that he came to about Jesus. And, and the only way to help you get to that conclusion is to tell you what he saw. And so John organizes his account of the life of Jesus around what he calls signs. We might call them miracles, but John says, no, 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 they were more than just miracles. They, they weren't just random acts of, of kindness. They all pointed to something. And what they pointed to was, was who Jesus said that he was. It, it was all done in order to substantiate what Jesus said about himself. And so today we come to the sixth sign in the story of Jesus. And throughout the ministry of Jesus, he would, he would constantly make the trip from Jerusalem to Galilee. You know, uh, Jerusalem is in Judea, and, and north of Judea is Galilee, and he would just constantly be going back and forth, back and forth. And when he was in Galilee, he was okay. He, that's where his friendly people, his family, the, the folks who embraced him the earliest were at. But whenever he came to Jerusalem, when he got to the temple and, and around the temple, there were always conflicts. And, and where we left off last time, Jesus was in the vicinity of Jerusalem, and he goes to the temple. And, and while he's there, he gets into an argument or a conversation with the temple leaders. And, and they ask him the question that they've been dying to ask him. And, and they say to Jesus, are you or are you not the Messiah? Just, just tell us, uh, are you the Messiah? And so Jesus responds to them and he says, I, I've told you, but, but you haven't believed me. Uh, and, and I haven't just told you, I, I've showed you. I've done all of these signs so that you would believe, but you haven't embraced them. The, the things that I have done that are unexplainable to everyone else, the things that I've done in my father's name they all testify about who i am and you won't believe me in other words i i've shown you i have given you every reason to believe and you just won't accept the evidence you won't embrace it and, and they wouldn't embrace it because as we said last week that maybe they were like some of us that they were willfully blind where they wouldn't look to see what could be seen and they wouldn't try to discover what could be discovered and so they just couldn't bring themselves to arrive at the, at the conclusion that Jesus wanted them to arrive at. And so at this point in the life of Jesus, he decides if they're not going to get to it on their own, it's time for me to go all in and it's time for me to, to show them this sign that, that will be irrefutable, that it will be irrefutable evidence that I am who I've claimed to be. And so Jesus leaves Jerusalem and he goes just a little bit of distance to where some people would, would still know where he was at, where people would still know what he was up to. And Jesus is about to perform a sign. In fact, as we're going to discover today, 
Jesus manufactures a sign so that so that no one would have any doubt who Jesus was, that he was exactly who he claimed to be. And they would not be able to, to ignore anymore the, the fact that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was the Son of God. And so here's what happened. It's in John chapter 11. So if, you, if you've got a Bible with you, flip over there. John chapter 11, we'll have our verses up on the screen as well. So it starts this way. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick, and he was from Bethany. Now Bethany's about a day and a half walk away from Jerusalem. And so he, he's not far, but far enough that he's safe. And it says, in the, in the village, Bethany was in the village of Mary and her sister Martha, and they're friends of Jesus. And it says, so the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. So Mary and Martha, these, these friends of Jesus, they send a messenger, and Jesus is about a day's walk away, and they send this messenger, and he finds Jesus and, and the disciples, and the messenger says this, he says, hey, Mary and Martha have sent me, and they told me to give you this message, the one that you love is sick. Now, now, can you imagine being so close to Jesus that, that he, the messenger doesn't even have to tell the name? They, they would just say to Jesus, hey, the one that you love is sick, and they would immediately know, Jesus would immediately know exactly who you were talking about. That's, that's so amazing. That's so incredible. That gives you an idea of how close Mary and Martha and Lazarus were to Jesus. He says, the one that you love is sick. And then it says, when Jesus heard this, when the, this the, the one he loves is sick, he says, this sickness talking about what Lazarus has, this sickness will not end in death. But the fact of the matter was that by the time the messenger got to Jesus and the disciples, Lazarus was already dead. He, he died while the messenger was on, his, on, on the way to, to meet Jesus. But, but Jesus continues, he says to the men around him, this sickness, it will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory. To which if you don't know this story or, or you're hearing it for the first time, and you were to read it, you would say, that doesn't make sense. Sickness for God's glory, that, that doesn't even make sense. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus believed that bad things could happen to good people, and it did not disprove God's existence. In fact, somehow it underscores the existence of God. And so Jesus finishes this statement this way. He says, so that, because there's a purpose in that, you know, no, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified. In other words, the sickness, this, this evil, this, this sickness and evil as it relates to Lazarus was left unattended on purpose because Jesus had a purpose for it. And, and in this story, Jesus, for, for his disciples and for many of us and for many of you and, and for me, he creates a brand new category, sickness for the glory of God. That's the category he creates. And, and this is so uncomfortable and it's so unintuitive that, that John knows his readers and and the people who are following along in the story, they're, they're going to immediately think, this doesn't make any sense. And so, so he jumps into the story and he makes an editorial comment that, that allows us to not just close the book and to, to just throw this out and discount everything right away. He says, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. That's the editorial comment he makes. Why does he tell us this? Because in this moment, it doesn't look like he does. He said, don't check out too soon. Uh, if you're following along, don't check out too soon because Jesus actually loved these people. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Lazarus is sick somehow, and it's for the glory of God? And, and this isn't making sense. And John's like, I know it's not making sense. It was confusing for us too, but just believe me, just hang in there with us. Jesus loved these people. And, and John tells us this because it didn't look like it. And sometimes in your life, 
It doesn't look like it either. There, there are things going on in your life and you think, why is this happening to me? Where is God in all of this? Maybe even right now in the midst of, of all the chaos that is happening in, in the real world, we think, where is God in all of this? And, and how is God involved? And I'm just telling you, hang in there because God is in this, even if it doesn't look like it right now. And this, this is the, the main reason why I believe that Jesus manufactured this sign. Because it wasn't simply for the benefit of the people sitting around the circle for, for his closest followers. It was for the benefit of you and for my benefit. And so John, John would say this. He says, when Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Which is astounding to the people around him because because Jesus had healed total strangers. Why, why would he not get up and rush off to heal his friend Lazarus, the, the one that is so close that they don't even have to say his name. They can just say, Jesus, the one that you love is sick. Why wouldn't he just rush off? He doesn't even have to rush anywhere. He can just say the words, Lazarus, be healed. And, and it would happen. We've already seen that, that happen, that Jesus has that kind of power. So why would he not do that? And the answer was that he was up to something. He was staging a sign with a purpose in mind. And so two days go by and the messenger goes back to Bethany and Jesus and his guys, his disciples, they're just hanging out doing whatever it is that they're doing and suddenly, unexpectedly, he stands up and he says, okay, to the disciples, he says, hey, let's go back now to Judea. And specifically on our way, we're going to go back toward Bethany. And immediately the disciples, his guys, they're confused by this because the last time that they were in the area, it didn't go so well. In fact, it's about to say that the last time they were in the area, when they, were, when they were near the temple during that time of the conversation that I referenced earlier, the people there, the temple leaders, they picked up stones to stone Jesus. And the problem with being around someone who is being stoned is sometimes people don't hit their target. They aren't always accurate, and so you don't want to be around someone who's being stoned. You, you step back in, and so they realize that if his life is in danger, then their life is in danger. And they kind of tip their hat to that in the next statement. John would say this, and he's there, he's a part of them. They said, but Rabbi, a short while ago, the Jews were there, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going to go back. And the real issue at hand is, not only are you going to go back, but you want us to go back with you. And so there's, there's all of this tension. And then Jesus does his, his Jesus thing where he seemingly uh, changes the subject and he, he says something that just doesn't seem to have to do with anything. And he turns to them as they're trying to figure out what's going on and he says this. He says, are there not 12 hours of daylight? Anyone who walks in the daytime will not stumble for they see by the world's light. It's when a person walks at night that they stumble for they have no light. And the disciples, they're, they're kind of like, okay, well, well, thanks for that, but that's not new information. And what does that have to do with anything that's going on right now? And here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying to his guys, 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 you need to follow the light of the world while the light of the world is in the world. He said a similar thing uh, to, to him last week. And this is his message is that you guys, you have an, a unique opportunity. You're in the physical presence of the light of the world. And if you're in the physical presence of the light of the world, you follow the light of the world because you will never see more clearly than you see right now. And, and if you decide that you're not going to follow me, you're not going to go uh, to, to Bethany, you're going to miss out on the opportunity of a lifetime if you stay here out of fear. You're going to miss an opportunity to see the light of the world bringing light to a situation that will change the way that people think about life and death and the afterlife forever. And he would say to them, and he would say to all of us, if you refuse to follow the light of the world, 
you'll stumble around in darkness. You'll stumble in a, uh, around in a world that has no meaning and it has no purpose and it has no results to look forward to. It has no hope. And so he says all of that, and basically then after he says that, he says, hey, you want to go? And so he, sa- he, he tells them, uh, he goes on to tell them, it says, Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going to Judea to wake him up. So, so who's in, guys? Who wants to go with me? And, and because they don't want to go, because they're afraid that something bad is going to happen to Jesus, they, they start to give Jesus some medical advice. And they said, again, because they don't want to go, they said, Lord, if he's asleep, because you just said he's asleep, and, and you're going to go to wake him up, you know, when, when people are sli- uh, uh, sick and they, they fall asleep, you know, that means they're resting, they're, they're getting better, so, so shh, let, let's not wake him up, let's, let's let him rest. And he said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get better. In other words, we don't want to go. But John tells us, he said, Jesus had been speaking to them about Lazarus' death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now, now, wait a minute, Jesus. You, you told us two days ago that this sickness would, would not end in death. And now you're telling us that he's dead. So if you, if you haven't been listening, you've been kind of drifting in and out, you, tune in right here. You need to listen to this. Because what comes next, what comes next in this story is so horrible for, for Mary and Martha and Lazarus. What comes next in the story is terrible for them. But it's wonderful for, for you and me. It's wonderful for, for the future generations that would hear this story. He, he continues, Jesus says, he would say, and for your sake, and for your sake, talking about the disciples, but I think he's talking about our sakes as well. He says, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there. I'm glad I was not there. He said to his disciples, for, for your sake and for the sake of, of every parent who's ever buried a child, for the sake of every husband who's ever buried a wife, for the sake of every child who's buried a parent way too soon, for the sake of every friend who's had to bury a friend, for all of us, Jesus manufactures a sign. And this was new to them. For, for many of us, it's new to us because this was brand new to the world. The light of the world had come to shed light on the world and, and to shed light on one of the dilemmas that that mankind has wrestled with for, for thousands of years. How do I reconcile the idea of a good God in an evil world? How do I reconcile the idea of a good God in a world that doesn't cooperate? And Jesus said, I am glad I was not there. For your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. So let's go to him. Meanwhile, back in Bethany, the conversation is, is where is Jesus? Where is he at? I mean, Jesus didn't get here in time to save Lazarus, so, so we're going to leave him laid out for, for a couple of days. We're going to wait two or three days because that's, that's kind of what they did. But, but now it's the end of the third day, and, and they've got to put him in a tomb, and Jesus misses the funeral. And, and John would say, but on our, arrival, on, on our arrival, Jesus found out that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And when Martha, Lazarus' sister, when, when Martha heard that Lazarus was coming to, into town, she went out to meet him, and, and Lord, she said, and, and she says what we all say or think sometimes, she said, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, this is partially your fault, Jesus. God, you could have, but you didn't. You, you could have saved him, but you didn't. You could have intervened, but you didn't. You could have spoke the words. But you were silent. Isn't it good to know that, that there's nothing wrong with your faith 
when something doesn't seem to go our way. Bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to a friend of Jesus. And, and in this case, Jesus manufactured a sign that was, was for your sake and for mine. But, but Martha, she's like all of us in this way as well. She, you know, she's upset. She's trying to cling to whatever faith that she has. And she's just like, Jesus, you, you should have been here. I, I, you could have been here. I shouldn't be angry with you, but, but you're Jesus. And, and I believe in you. And I am angry. I am upset. But, but I, I, I believe that you've been sent from God. You could have stopped this from happening. And, and I'm so upset, but I still have some shreds of faith in you. And so she says, but I know that even now, even though you were so late, God, I know that even now, God, you will give, God will give you whatever you ask. And Jesus smiles at her, I think, and he says, your brother will rise again. Well, he says that, and I think that, that she assumes, like a lot of us would have assumed, that he's just kind of going into preacher mode. You know, when somebody wait, walks up and they give you a verse in, in a time of crisis, and you're just like, you, you know what, later, later, that, that's not what I need right now. And somebody says, hey, you really need to listen to this sermon, and, and you're just like, okay, I, I don't want a sermon right now. And so she thinks that, that Jesus is just trying to give her some sort of theological spin on this crisis to, to, to make her feel better, to comfort her a little bit. And so Martha says, hey, look, look, I, I know, I know, I know he'll, he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But, but I'm not concerned about the last day right now, Jesus. We wanted you here so we didn't have to look forward to that last day. And what comes next? What comes next is, is breathtaking. It, it, it's so breathtaking that we miss it because we're not there and we couldn't, we couldn't feel, possibly feel the, the emotion that Mary and her sister felt in that moment, the frustration perhaps even that, that Mary and Martha felt in this moment. And so Jesus looks at her and he says, hey, hey, look at me, look at me. I'm not here to give you a sermon. I'm not here to, to, to talk to you about theology. I'm not asking you to, to put your trust in what you've always been taught about death and the afterlife. He looks at her and he says, hey, hey, look at me. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. This isn't a category that Jesus says. He says, you are looking at the resurrection and life personified. I am the living embodiment of everything that you hope for. What you think about me will be the most important thoughts that you ever have. I am the resurrection and the life, the light of the world that has come into the world. And I will leave a testimony and a record of fact that the light of the world touched down and the light of the world brings hope into hopeless situations. I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says to her, Jesus says this, he says, the one who places their trust in me not simply believes that, that you've seen all the signs and, and because you've seen all the signs, you, you believe. No, 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 not just that. But ultimately, you, you place your trust in the one who, who, places, who gives life. He says, the one who places their trust in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Now, there's, there's no way that, that Martha could have taken all of this in. There's no way that most of us can, can take all of this in. Just as, as he said, Lazarus wouldn't die, but he died. Jesus says, you'll die, but, but you won't. Because Jesus could not have been any clearer in this moment, though, that death is, is simply a door. Death is simply a transition. And then he looks at her, and I think he smiles, and, and he sees the pain, and he sees the confusion, and he sees where theology meets the real world, and he looks at her, and he says, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And this was so hard for her to believe. 
And, and it's so hard for me to believe it. And come on, sometimes it, it's so hard for you to believe. Sometimes, sometimes you know, Mary, they, Mary and Martha, they felt the same way. And so she musters up as much faith as she can, as she can find in that moment. And she says, yes, Lord, I believe. I don't understand. I don't know how all of this comes together. I don't know why you were late, God. But, but I've seen too much, and, and, I, and I don't understand everything, but I realize I don't have to understand everything to believe something. And then she just goes back to her default, the one thing that she's certain of, and she says this. She says, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who has come into the world. Jesus, I believe that somehow, in some way, you are the light of the world that's come into the world, but that's all I know in this moment. And so Martha goes back to her house and she tells Mary that, hey, that Jesus is just on the edge of town. And, and so she goes out and meets with Jesus. They, and they have a similar conversation. And the text says that, that John gives us all of this detail because it's in slow motion. And John says that when he saw her, when he saw Mary, she was weeping. And when he saw both of them weeping, he was, he was moved in his spirit. He was deeply moved and he was troubled. And then he asked this question. He says, where have you laid him? And they said, well, we'll come and see. And so they go to the tomb. And, and then Jesus, in this extraordinarily tender moment, and, and maybe this was the reason Jesus manufactured this sign, in this extraordinary moment, Jesus arrives outside of the tomb knowing what he's about to do. And he pauses. And he enters into the emotion of the moment. This is, this is divine empathy. And, and what and that's why what John records next is, is not just uh, some trivial detail. It's not just some trivia answer to what's the shortest verse in all the Bible. What happened next is, is that Jesus pausing, knowing what was about to happen. And John records this. He says, Jesus wept. He cried. He, he entered into the emotion of that moment. And the Jews who had, who had come from Jerusalem to comfort Mary and Martha, they would say, see, this was so evident. This was evidence that, that of how close they were. See how, how Jesus loved this man. And, and some would say, yeah, but, but you see how he loved him, but could not he who opened the eyes of a blind man kept this man from dying? See, there it is again. There, there we are again in the story. Why didn't he do something about this if he could have? If he could have, he would have, but, but since he didn't, he can't. But as it turns out, he could have. He just didn't. And I'm convinced that he didn't for your sake and for mine. He chose instead, and if, if you haven't been paying attention, please, please don't miss, miss this. Jesus, in this painful, painful moment, Jesus condenses all of eternity through the span of a, of a single afternoon. Jesus takes all of eternity of eternity he condenses it to to the span of a single afternoon the pain the disappointment the fear the anger the unanswered prayers the the faith in any way the the tears of god and then finally the resolution your entire life experience as you wrestle with the goodness of god and the pain of the world uh, all condensed for man for all of mankind for every generation that, that would follow jesus condenses his entire experience to a few hours in one afternoon so that future generations this is why for, so that future generations could live with hope. So John, John continues. He says, Jesus, once more, deeply moved, came to the tomb. And then he shocks everybody. He says, take away the stone. 
the, the, I think when he said that, the mourners fell silent. Mary and Martha, they probably gasped. And, and Martha even says, but Lord, she, she objects to this. She, you know, how, how, do we, how do we say this? By, by this time, you can see that you're late. By this time, he's been dead for four days. This is kind of her way of saying, but, but, but Jesus, he stinks. We, we don't want to take away the, the stone. And Jesus said this. He said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? And so Mary and Martha, they give permission for, for the men to roll back the stone. And, and everybody, I, I guarantee you, everybody took another step back when they removed the stone. And, and then Jesus looked up and he, and he prays him. And let me tell you what he says before I read it to you. But basically in this prayer, Jesus says, you know, dear Heavenly Father, you and I know what's going on. You and I are, are so connected at the hip. In fact, we're indistinguishable. But, but I need everybody else to know. I need for future generations to know just how connected we are. And so this is what he prayed. He said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I have said this. I am praying this. I have said this out loud for the benefit of the people standing here. And I think he could have added to that. And for the benefit of future generations that they might believe that you have sent me. That was the prayer. You see, you see, the most important question to wrestle to the ground is not the question of, of, of good and evil and, and even God and evil. The most important question for any of us to wrestle to the ground is, is, who is Jesus? Because if Jesus is who Jesus claimed to be, then all of those other issues, they get reconciled and explained in Jesus. And so he finishes the prayer. And, and this is what it says. It said, when he had said this, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And John, remembering this as an old man, I think he probably thinks to himself, and, and we couldn't believe what we saw. This dead man came out, and he was, he was still wrapped in, in, in strips of linen, so, so it was him. It wasn't a trick. It wasn't anybody else. There was cloth still around his face, and, and, and nobody moved. In fact, everybody took another step back. And so Jesus says, hey, hey come on, guys. Take off the grave clothes and, and let him go. And so everybody finally wakes up and they come to their senses and they rush to Lazarus and, and they freed him from the bonds of death. And Lazarus was alive. And then a statement that John didn't need to make, but he makes anyway, because Jesus has just raised somebody from the dead. A, a dead man who was dead in the tomb for four days comes out of the grave at the, at the command of Jesus. And so John makes a statement. He says, therefore, Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did believed in him. Well, I bet they did, don't you? And, and get this, many who had come, and, and here's John's formula. Here's what John wants you to take away from his gospel, is that many who saw believed. Many who saw believed. Before they, before they saw it, they just couldn't believe it. They just couldn't understand. But they have seen it now. They, they have seen all the signs that Jesus has been performing, and now they believe. And, and that's his message. That's John's message. Look, if, you know, I don't want you to simply believe in Jesus because of belief. I'm not asking you to have faith for the sake of faith. I'm not asking you to follow Jesus because of faith. I want you to know what I saw because if you saw what I saw, then you would believe. If you heard what I heard, you would come to this conclusion that I have come to. Not simply about what Jesus did, but who Jesus was. If you don't take anything else away from the Gospel of John, it's simply this, that seeing led to believing, and believing led to trusting. That seeing led to believing, and believing led to trusting. 
And John's agenda isn't simply that we would know the story. It isn't that we would just know the facts about Jesus' life. His agenda isn't simply that we would know what he saw. It's not simply that you would believe what happened. It would be that ultimately that you would place your faith and you place your trust in Jesus and who he claimed to be because of what he did. The light of the world had come to the world for the benefit of the world. The light had come, and, and this, this raising of Lazarus, it was such indisputable evidence as it turns out that there were so many who were, who were willfully blind who could no longer stay willfully blind. In fact, they decide they have to do something about this, so much so that, that they call a meeting back in Jerusalem, the, the temple leaders, the, the religious leaders, that they're hearing stories about this because people flood it back to, into the gates of Jerusalem, and they would say, hey, th- there is irrefutable evidence, there's indisputable evidence that a, that a man was dead, and now he's been raised from the dead. You know, this didn't happen in the corners of an empire. This didn't happen, you know, out in the countryside where nobody knew about this. This happened in a town where, where people had come for a funeral of a very well-known person, and they would say, it's indisputable evidence that this man is who he claimed to be. And so the religious leaders, they would, they would have a meeting, and they would decide that, hey, we've got to do something about this guy, because if we let him go on doing this, then people will continue to believe. And so they, they begin to hatch a plan that we're going to talk about next week, where, where they're going to have Jesus ex, uh, arrested and executed. But here's what they said in their meeting. They said, if we let him go on like this, everybody will believe in him. If we let him go on performing signs, then everybody will ultimately believe that he is from God and it will ruin our our institutional our institution of religion. And and, but but they had no idea, did they? They had no idea that over two thousand years later, a third of the world's population would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God. But if we let him go on like this, everyone will believe. And here's why they, they don't want him to, to continue going on. It said, because then the Romans will come and they will take away our temple and they will take away our nation. All they could see is what they thought they had to lose. They had no idea all that was for them to gain. Because God, don't miss this part. Because God had come to dwell alongside evil. God had come to dwell alongside evil men and women. And the light was so bright, and for some they they were attracted, and for others they were repulsed. And later John, in one of his letters to the church, he would say it this way. He would say, the light has come into the world, but but some people, they just love darkness instead because because their deeds were evil, and so they they don't love light. They, They run from light. But God didn't eliminate evil. John says, no, 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 the story didn't go like that. He actually... He didn't eliminate evil. He actually, he placed evil on the shoulders of his son so that you would not perish, but so that you would have eternal life. Even though, I bet that you're probably evil. For God so loved this evil world. For God so loved the the evil placed in this world that, that he would send his perfect son, the light of the world, and that by placing your faith in him, by trusting in him, not just believing, but but by trusting in him, we would not be lost to God but we could have the very life that Jesus came to promise and to give. And John would remind us at the end of of his his gospel, he would say, I didn't simply write all of this down so that you would know what would happen. His agenda is, is clear. He would say, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing in him, by placing your faith in him, by placing your trust in him, you can have life in his name. 
If you had seen what I had seen, John would say, you would believe what I believe. And once you decided to believe what what I believe, you would place your faith in him and you would have life in his name. That's the invitation of the gospel, to, to believe what John believed and to place your faith, to place your trust in him so that you can have life and life in his name. For those of you that are on the verge of, of losing faith because of, of a difficulty in your life, for those of you who are, who are maybe struggling with, with where is God even in the midst of all the chaos that's going on right now, I just want to say to you, don't give up. Don't give up. Please, please don't give up. Because you're, you're not the first. And, and you won't be the last. And the light of the world came into the world and manufactured a sign just for you. So that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and that you could have life in his name. So don't give up and believe and have life in the name of Jesus. Let me pray for us. Father God, we love you, and we are so thankful that uh, you love us so much that you were willing to send your Son into the world to take on evil, that you didn't eliminate evil. You still give us that, that free will, that free choice, but you placed all of the evil in the world on the shoulders of your son. And you allowed him to go to a cross to be crucified, to die in our place, to to make us good, even though there's so much evil in all of us. But when you look at us, you you see good. You you see righteousness because of what Jesus has done. And so for, for those who are struggling right now, who are, who are going through something difficult and they just don't seem to know where you're at and, and they're wrestling with the question of, of, of where are you, would you please press into them that, that you haven't abandoned them, that, that your silence does not mean absence, that you are, you are with them and you're ready to give them life if they'll simply believe and place their faith in you, place their trust in you, that you, are, that you sent your son, Jesus, to be the light of the world the Messiah, the Son of God. Father, we thank you for that. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.